Welcome, guys, to um, Conversate, where we believe that silence solves nothing. Yes. Speaking does. That's and right. And we're here to have a conversation mm. about the recent, you know, incident regarding uh, a Caucasian police officer yeah. and, uh, and a black gentleman. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about race, racism from a, a Christian worldview. Uh, Mr. Jumba, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, I'll gladly be happy to do that. Yeah. First, I thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. We, I, I should say this much needed conversation. Yeah. So I thank you for for choosing to have conversations such as this, which are not necessarily comfortable, but I applaud you for choosing to do that. So my name is Eddie Jumba. I am the senior pastor of Dominion Church International Toronto. Uh, it's a church that really functions as a family. Uh, we are located here in Toronto, 2256 Shepherd Avenue West. And we, we've been here for, uh, since 2002. We, we have seen a lot of things happen. We are not, in terms of numbers, we are, we are not what we call today the mega churches where you have 5,000 people. Yeah. We actually have a fairly, uh, compared to that number, a fairly very uh, small number compared to that. However, we have seen so many big things happen uh, for as long as we have existed here as a church. And I know that I cannot put it any other way why that has been the case. So this church does not belong to an individual. It belongs to Christ himself. God has blessed us with people who have come and they have embraced what is going on. And they have really taken this on as their own ministry, as their own family. And that is how we have been able to exist here as a small but a very cohesive uh, group of people who are trying to make a difference in Toronto and the globe over. Wow. Yeah, in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's the church where I go to every Sunday. Okay, so, um, so your church is inclusive in terms of welcoming all Yes, nations. absolutely, absolutely, yes. The church was founded by a pastor who originally comes from Uganda, Pastor Robert Ambrose Kazue. But if you had a chance, you would see uh, <laughs> flags of all nations around our church. Mm. And it's actually intentional because the idea is that, which, which fits perfectly in the conversation today. Yeah, we are talking about we are acknowledging actually that it is a reality that we are, we all come from all different walks of life, but we can be one. Mm. We can be one. We wow. can be one. Yeah. And um, because the issue of race is very deep. It is. Yeah. And you mentioned something that based on your sermon mm. that I watched today, that this this resistance is not just because of the death of Floyd. Yeah. It's, it's something that has been happening. And you talked about how uh, racism now is being broadcast. Correct. And because it's been broadcast, that's where, that's the reason why people are actually coming out to protest. Yeah, in such big ways. Yeah. Referencing Dr. Martin Luther King mm. because he is an example of the civil rights movement and um, the person who helped fight against injustice in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. And this is one of his quotes. It mm. says that what is wrong in our world today is that the nations of our world are engaged in a bitter, colossal contest for supremacy. Mm. 
And then he also mentioned that oppressed people cannot remain oppressed forever. The yearning for freedom eventually manifests itself. Mm. Oppressed people cannot remain oppressed forever. forever yeah, yeah. The yearning for freedom eventually manifests mm. itself. And then lastly, he talks about how freedom for any is freedom for all. For all, yeah. How do you uh, respond or describe, or is there any assertion as, as race, mm. racism? Yeah, good question. I'll tell you something. Because I know you have uh, called me here to speak uh, as a pastor, something that I really uh, hold very dearly if I'm asked to speak as a pastor. Not that I ever <laughs> escape that. I cannot escape that from the day I became a pastor. I cannot escape the reality that I'm a pastor. So I, however, when specifically somebody says, I'm speaking to you as a pastor, I need a perspective from you as a pastor. Uh, first of all, it's a very uh, daunting place to be in because for me, pastor means you are representing the word of God. Mm. So then that means that whatever you're going to say, better be representing what God wants you to say. Better be. So when you ask me that question, is there such a thing as race? First of all, my, my mind goes to <clears throat> something that we actually talked about today in the service. That somehow, uh, when Matthew, the writer of the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, in the Bible, the gospels are the places to go to if you want to learn anything about Jesus Christ. So a gospel is the account of the, well, the birth, the ministry, the life, and the death of Jesus Christ. You, you can think of the gospel as that. So if you ask me about race, somehow my mind goes there. When Jesus is being introduced to us in the Gospel mm. of Matthew, of all the ways that Matthew could have chosen to introduce Jesus to us, he starts by saying that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's not mm. in 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 pointing out his genealogy, he is not undermining his messianess, no, but he's actually bringing both things in the same sentence. He says this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So, and so the temptation sometimes is to only look at Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as Lord, as God, and then you mm. you completely uh, overlook. The fact that Matthew found it important. Mm. And so when I say Matthew, I want you to know that Matthew was, yes, his hand was writing. But the Bible says in Second Timothy 3.16 that that was the breath of God mm. being seen in the hand of man as those words were penned down in this book that we call the Bible. So somehow God figured that it was important. For us to know that, yes, you know Jesus as the Messiah, as Lord, as King. But I want you to know also that he comes from somewhere. Mm. I cannot talk about rest in any other better way than that. that. Yeah, We are not, even in, just in that introduction, he is not overestimating or over-exaggerating the importance of race. But also he is not dismissing it. 
is not dismissing it. He mm. could have not mentioned anything about the genealogy of Jesus. So that genealogy is there to, to give us uh, the physical background the f- of I like that word. Jesus Christ is. I like that word. The physical background. Wow. Yeah. He comes from somewhere. He, he has... It descends from somewhere. Hmm. Yeah. So when, when I think of race, it is inescapable. It is inescapable that we will see ourselves without seeing or being confronted with the reality that we are from a particular race. Yeah. So so it's race defined by the complexion of of a group of people or is race also defined by the location of a group of people? Mm. Yeah. What is the basis of, of identifying <clears throat> yeah. what race someone is from? Yeah. So I uh, this is what I could say. I know that a sociologist might, might have a, a better answer on, mm. on that in terms of the, uh, the anatomy of the word race. But uh, in a very uh, simple way, which for me sometimes is the, is the way, uh, what's his name? Einstein says, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Albert Einstein? Yes, yes. He says, if you can't explain it in an easy way, you don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says, yeah. So I'm trying to, I, I try my best to, to, to explain in a very simple way. So for me, race, when I think of race, I think of identity, I think of classification. For, mm. And for me, all those things are not negative per se. They only become negative if you take them and you assign me value based on those items. Wow. Yes. That's when they become negative. They become actually abused. We have abused race. It's not meant to, to divide us in a, in a negative way. But we, we can celebrate that so-and-so comes from a certain race. I yeah. come from a different race, and that is okay. Let, let me pick up the word abuse because mm. I also want you to define racism. Mm. So I'm looking at racism is the abuse of one's race. If, if, you, if you spoke Luganda, I would say, so, so that means you, you you took it from my mouth mm. type thing. Yeah, exactly. So racism is the abuse of race. And then you talked about value. Yes. Yes, value. So if I, I strongly believe by on the account of Genesis 1, mm. chapter 1, verse around 25, 26, and 27, on the account of that, it is in affirmative that every created being has mm. intrinsic value. In other words, they have value that no society can assign to them, no level of education can ascribe to them, no race can ascribe to them. So every single created being, being mm. has that value, has that dignity, has that worth. Mm. So it is very important. When we assign value onto people using any other criteria other than that they are created in God's image, we are, we are risking abusing that thing, whatever it is that we are using to assign people value. So, for example, in this case, race. Mm. 
if you're going to assign me value, if my worth, if my dignity, if my importance, if mm. you're measuring it on the basis of my race, you are abusing race. Just pay attention to that for in a little bit deeply. We can realize that if we can overcome assigning people value based on on other man-made, uh, society-made uh, criteria, we will find that it is going to all, almost be easy, I guess is an overstatement, but it's going to be doable for us to respect any human being regardless of how much we differ in race and all other ways of differing. If we can, I think it was Bible studies that day I said, we, if we can, something I learned earlier on in my training as a chaplain, if we can bring ourselves to a place of <coughs> celebrating people just at the level of them being human beings, just at that level, you and I, we come across, yes, you come from West Africa, you come from East Africa, or you, you come from a different race, or a different tribe, you may sometimes, maybe you're even a non-Christian, I'm a Christian. Mm. You are white, I'm black. If we, if I can bring myself to that place of, first of all, celebrating you at the level of, this is a human being, this is a fellow human being. Mm. It is going to be very doable for me not to violate you as a black person just because mm. I'm a white person. Not to violate you as because you are a non-Christian and I am a Christian. Mm. It is going to be very doable for me to do that because I have already, at the level of you being uh, just as a human being as I am, mm. I'm already celebrating you at that level. Mm. It's not going to be easy for me to, to violate you at any other level, either mm. race level or religion level or whatever difference that we might have. So, in essence, you're trying to say that, um, based on my understanding, mm. is that, yes, we are made in the image and likeness of God. Yes. So when I see somebody who is not my race, or when I even see somebody who is like me, I should, my first view towards that person should be that this person is the image and, and likeness of God. Absolutely. Or the person should identify themselves as a created being in the image and likeness of God. Even the person might not share my religious belief. Yeah. They might not share my, my race. They might not share my, my background. Mm. But that, I think, under the U.S. Constitution, talks about how we are all one under God. Yeah. We are all created equal under yeah. God. Yes. You're right, uh, Brahim, actually. It actually says exactly that. Created equal. Mm. So any person you ever encounter, regardless of, the physical differences that mm, might be physical present yeah. mm. if you can first of all celebrate them as fellow bearers of God's wow. image. You celebrate them at that level, mm. when you respect them at that level, when you embrace them at that level of, you know what? Yeah, that brother, yeah, looks so different from me, but I know that he's a fellow bearer of God's image. And I value them for that. Because mm. that's how God, that's, that's the lens God uses to, mm. to look at us. He, he, he knows that we are bearers of his own image. And if we take that way of looking people, or looking at people or viewing people, mm. it's going to be difficult to 
devalue them. It's going to be difficult to violate them because mm. we we know that we don't want to violate the image of God. So mm. any attack on a human being is essentially an attack on the image of God that they bear. You know what? I have to testify because this the, one of the reasons why I'm actually doing this is because I I develop a, a deep hatred towards mm. white people, mm. and because of the things that they have done, yeah. even even me as a believer, as a yeah. Christian. Yeah. But when I encounter individuals, Caucasians, mm. and and you talked about the treatment of people should not be based on your physical entity. You, you know, you, you risk abusing it. Yeah. And that, yeah. I'm like, I'm like. I'm like, you know what? Why, why do I have such a deep hatred towards mm. a group of people? Like I was generalizing, even though mm. yes, whatever they have done in the past in our history, yeah, and I'm still keeping this deep hatred within me. And even as a Christian, you know, and when I see any white person, I want to like curse them, I yeah. want to kill them, yeah. I want to hurt them. You talk about the hearts of men that's desperately wicked. And those were the thoughts in my heart. God eventually helped me along the way to encounter individual. And, and that actually changed my mind when I had a conversation with, with an individual. individual. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know what? Not all white people are like this. No. Just like you cannot say not all black people are like this. This idea of general, generalization has created uh, an enmity between people having of view and then they spread that view towards an entire mm -hmm. group of people. That's right. That's uh, my, my yeah. experience that I wanted to share. Yeah, I know. And that's an amazing thing that you share, Brahim. That really, because some people might hear, oh, oh, those two, they're Christians. So maybe they don't get it. They don't, they're not sitting on the same pain as uh, some of us may be sitting. And I'm like, hmm, no, you haven't maybe yeah. listened yeah. to me enough and haven't shared with you some of the struggles that I've had. So when you share something like that, so for my fellow Christians who are sitting and listening to us, uh, if you're thinking that uh, this whole idea of uh, hatred or this whole idea of uh, really big resentment for another race is only happening out, out there, not in the church, no, I invite you to think again about that, to think again about that. So the, the question to us, that do you think there's, there's also racism in church? Yeah. Do you think there's racism? Is there any instances? Yeah. <clears throat> I can answer the question in a few ways, but I'll, 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 I'll go back to the message that we had today. So when the Bible says that the human heart is desperately wicked and it is difficult to, to comprehend or to know fully, because it leaves it at the question level. It says, who can know it? Mm. So when I try to think of that question, is there racism in the church? So, see, the, the dilemma that we do have, that we are faced with on a daily basis, if we just specifically talk about racism, but also I want to, 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 I want you to remember that racism comes from somewhere, from a human heart somewhere. Everything that we mm. do, According to the Bible, anything that we do or say comes from a deposit somewhere in the heart. So now here is the, the, the answer to, to that question, a more direct one. So racism does not happen along lines of 
a group of people and a group of people. It happens along the lines of an individual and an individual. So mm. I want to emphasize that as I answer that question. So when we come to the church, church is composed of individuals. Because it is composed of individuals, every single one of those individuals has what it takes, has what it takes <laughs> to be a racist. Because this human heart is wicked. This human heart has the potential. Uh, uh, the man I like a lot, uh, Ravi, he died uh, for a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago. He always used the word proclivity, but it mm. means the, the potential or almost the, the, the possibility or the readiness, uh, the reality that you and I are susceptible to evil. Mm. You and I could engage in evil. You and I could engage in any form of evil. You mentioned it, and racism is one of those. So I cannot take it away from that way of looking at evil because uh, for me that is the, the foundation, that is the, the core. At the core, all of us are capable of this thing. So is racism wow. present <laughs> in the church? Absolutely, uh, as present as it is in, in any street of North America. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, we were on a Zoom uh, call with pastors across North America. And yeah, one of the members actually shared something that uh, wow. that shook everybody who was on the call. It was a call of so many people, uh, pastors, wow. like 250 pastors in, across North America. And, and they brought it up. Yeah, somebody, it was actually a phone, uh, the, the Zoom meeting was a prayer session about the events that are going on. Mm. And then at some point, one of the, the black pastor, he shared uh, something. He was called upon to pray towards the end. Yeah. I don't know if they knew what was coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> the facilitator was a white man, was a white bishop. Wow. And uh, he said, you know what? Actually, if I recall his words, he says, wow. you know what? In all the prayers that have come before mine, I'm hearing a lot of uh, sympathy. And so, and he says, we've had enough sympathy. People have sympathized enough. It's time to empathize. Time to empathize. And then he gave an example of uh, uh, an incident where uh, he experienced racism as a, as, a, as a new pastor to this church, which had wow. been used to, they had been used to seeing uh, a leader who is white. So the whole wow. idea of a leader of the church who is black was very foreign to them, wow. was very uncomfortable. So it took, I'm talking wow. about in the church. So it took them wow. a few a few months of really transitioning wow. to see him as the mm. pastor of that church, the leader, the shepherd of that flock wow. in the church. And it, this was nothing to do with his theology, his, mm. his teaching. No, it had everything wow. to do with, it came down to him being wow. a black man, pastoring a church where... Wow. Predominant, was predominantly uh, members of Caucasian uh, wow. in the church. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's so. It's it's not just a, a problem that is outside. No, it's a problem that is inside, and the church don't want to face this problem. Yeah, actually, if you go back to the history of uh, of uh, racism in in, in, wow. in North America, or even hmm. to be specific in the U.S. You, you, so there was this thing uh, we were talking about in gospel church and culture. 
the, the, the black fear. So there was, there is actually even introduced such a thing. I don't know if wow. you're, you're familiar with that concept, the black fear. No, really. So there is a thing such as the, the fear of the black person. Wow. So this thing was actually preached on pulpits. So in the north, in, uh, wow. in, in the U.S., you, you hear, in the Baptist church, you hear of the north and the south. Mm. But uh, one of the groups was preaching uh, anti-black messages on the pulpit. Wow. You're preaching anti-black message. So the fear of the black became a thing that was actually shared even uh, in, in churches. Wow. So the fear of black is that idea. You are just a very common example. You are walking up the street and uh, a white uh, uh, person is approaching you and you notice that they take unnecessarily many steps away from you to give you way so you can wow. pass. It's a real thing. I don't wow. know if you've ever encountered it, but it is a real thing. Mm. Uh, what I wanted to say to you, that there was a time when that kind of thing was preached on pulpits. Yeah. Thank God for today. We, we, I think we have taken mm. some steps as the church. Look at us. You have invited me to speak on this as a pastor. So that's I mean, not because the problem not, that I have in, in the Christian community is that we, we shy away from giving our views yeah. on things that matter in society. Because mm. we want to be neutral. We want to be... But these are things that are affecting the people, the people, even the people who are coming to who church, coming who are to coming, church. our yeah. members. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to face these issues of racism outside in their workplace. Yeah. Yeah. When I was ordained, uh, there was uh, something that I, I prayed to God to help me as I do ministry, as I understand how to conduct myself as a pastor. And I wrote it somewhere here on my Bible. Let's see what I wrote. Just right on that point. Wow. I said that uh, I only become effective when I do what God has told me to do. And when I minister to the needs of my congregation, so help me God. This is uh, one of my daily prayers. Wow, yeah, yeah. The needs of my congregation. Yes, because you, you are 100% right. For me to sit here now and say, all oh, the events that are going on in the world um, mm-hmm. are not affecting the members of the church, that's, de- that's delusion. That, that wow. would be, I'll be lying to myself. Mm. Yeah. My own son is uh, talking about this in a way that is a little bit concerning. <laughs> so uh, we need, if, if ever, today hmm. is the time to talk about things like this, because we do need a healthy response. We need a biblically sound response to such events. Wow. Now, if we, the pastors, if the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we choose silence, where are people going to get a biblically sound response hmm. to the events that are unfolding? Next question is, um, I'm pretty sure you have already, uh, you know about the death of George Floyd. And I so do, what, what's yeah. your reaction on, on that? Yeah. And also the, the police brutality, the injustice, yeah. especially against a, a certain race, yeah. especially in the U.S. And we can also see that in Canada here as well. Yeah, what is my reaction? Uh, I guess uh, if, I, if I take a quick look deep down in my heart yeah mm-hmm. i could say as the events were unfolding as i first came to learn of them uh, i have to confess mixed feelings 
uh, I have to confess uh, feelings of anger, feelings of all oh, here is another example of uh, a white man being insensitive, that's not even the word really, but not showing any concern for violating the life of a black man. I cannot hide that, that those were some of the reactions. Because when, when you look at the history, the, 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 even if you go back to slave trade, the... Mm. <coughs> Besides just the idea of slave trade, but the way it was done is also despicable. Wow, yeah. When you look how the... Chaining. Yeah. So when you look, when wow. you see how they were transported, when the slaves, how they were transported, wow. and you watch how they were transported, wow. chains on their necks and sometimes are put... If you go to the science center, hmm. there's a little box. It's like a coffin almost, so wow. tiny. So it's an example of uh, how people were transported. And, and, and I can't breathe actually started... In those days, when they were mm -hmm. being clustered, yeah, together, yeah, you know, little, you know, yeah, 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 I, that's right, yeah, yeah. So it was there. So when you see this, I, you can't help but to revisit those memories. So mm -hmm. I, I want to say in a very affirmative way that I, also as a pastor, as a counselor, but I want to say that. For me, the the big responses or the big reactions. Uh, understandable. This is not to uh, promote any any form of violence or any form of revenge. No, no, this is not to, but it is to validate that if somebody watches that image and they feel something really big in them, mm. it, that is okay. So that is understandable. That is them confronting the reality of, wow, this image still can generate such a big thing in me. Wow. This image has the the hmm. the potential to really get me going. It is okay to acknowledge that. It is okay to acknowledge that and to say that wow, this is a yeah. This image I mean, the really image bothers itself, me. The image yeah. itself speaks volume because you have a black man lying down fighting mm. for his life. Mm. You have a, 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 a police officer who's supposed to uh, uh, secure the yeah. life of the man. Yeah, keep him safe. Yeah. Keep him safe. And he was pretty much named the truth of this man on the ground. And the man is grasping for air. And then there's also other police officers yeah. around. So things are happening in our society, yeah. but people are not taking actions. People are not coming out to stand for people who are who are who are victims, people who are being mistreated, and when you notice what is happening to these other police officers who are standing, mm. in a way they are ensuring safety. But do, whose safety do you think? The police officer. Because uh. the, when you notice the crowd, uh, it's, it's beginning to to form a little bit. Uh, this woman also who is engaging the police officer, and other people are joining. You notice that uh, this police officer, I remember mm. it so vividly, you notice that the police officer is going to ensure that uh, nobody comes close, not so much wow. comes close to George, wow. no, but comes close to the police officer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that incident actually can take us back to our history when certain 
individuals yeah. were hurting our people, yeah. and people were just watching. People in church were just watching. Yeah, so watching, <coughs> if we had to go to that image, watching all the, uh, the history that you point out, watching on, just watching on, wow. is equivalent to promoting or mm. to ensuring that the thing continues. Mm. So in that image, this police officer, he looked uh, Asian, wow. the one who was standing, the Asian guy. By watching, mm. he's ensuring that, what's his name, Derek? That Derek continues to do what he was doing. Because mm. he could have turned to him and said, buddy, you know what? what you, yeah. The guy is wow. barely breathing. Mm. You know the impact of, the, if that word came from him and said, yeah. you know what? The guy is barely breathing. Wow. And, and he's coughed. We, we got him good. He, like, he's barely, he, mm. he's not going to be able to punch you or hit you. He was in cuffs. Mm. If he was to turn, so for him to have just stood there and, wow. and say nothing mm. is squarely equivalent to him saying to this guy that, yeah, keep going. It is. Wow. So that is what silence sometimes mm. exactly means. Because when <laughs> Desmond Tutu, as he says that, to choose silence in the presence of injustice is mm. to choose the side of the oppressor, to choose wow. neutrality. When you choose to be neutral, mm. when injustice unfo is unfolding, mm. by default, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. So what's your opinion about Black Life Matters and All Life Matters? Yeah, I've seen some people express some big uh, concerns around. Because uh, so when people have protested uh, saying uh, Black Lives Matters. Another group has risen that is protesting saying White Lives Matter. Mm. Oh. Yeah, White Lives Matters. So, and uh, I think <laughs> it is problematic. <laughs> it is problematic. Uh, um, I can give you an example that I, I live with uh, daily. Yeah. When uh, a, a woman who was violated uh, last night comes to me to share their experience, and we are talking about abuse, uh, they were abused, and my response to them is that some men get abused too. Some men also are abused. So what I've just done in that response, mm. I have completely dismissed I have completely made light of what she's trying to share with me. Mm. So I might think that I'm trying to balance the picture, but I, I, I'm doing more harm than good to this person. Mm. If somebody is protesting to make a statement that, you know what, I really want you to hear and know and behave as though you're aware that my life matters. When your response is, my life matters also, you have not heard the person. You have made light of their, whatever they're trying to express. You have completely dismissed it. You have completely ignored it. You've completely disregarded it. Yeah. So uh, for me, as a way to come to a place of, of oneness, to come to a place of, uh, of all lives matter, 
the way to come to that is not to to respond to somebody before you even hear them. First of all, hear them. It is discomforting to hear people. It is very uncomfortable to to avail yourself to hear when somebody has something that is of that nature to share. Yeah, so I would say to my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are standing and responding by saying, hey, you guys are saying black lives matter, but we want you to know that also uh, other lives matter also. Mm. We are not saying, so the people who are protesting are not saying <laughs> yeah. that other lives don't matter. No, they, <laughs> they are responding to, <clears throat> to ways of living and a system and uh, patterns. There's been a pattern of doing things that has brought them to this place of saying that, you know what, somebody needs to be reminded that our lives matter also. So they are not in the statement, Black Lives Matter, they're not saying, and I don't even know them, I don't even, uh, this is not me saying, uh, yes, I'm part of this group. For me, I don't even need to be part of that group to, to get it. I just get it that if anybody who is oppressed opens their mouth to say and share that, you know what, guys, I can't breathe. I'm... So imagine to respond to George Floyd in that, saying, I can't breathe, and you say to him, you know what, there are also other people who are barely breathing <laughs> in the hospital. This is, this is what wow, yeah. this is what this person is saying if he, mm. if he responds to the protesters and you say, what, other lives matter too. Yes, let's get to that conversation at some point, but hear me first. Mm. Hear me first, and then we can arrive to that. Now, the last question about the all lives matter, I think kind of has an answer to the first two, because if we uh, embrace that, we wouldn't be, the, the first mm. two questions would not, yes, yes. they would be redundant. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, we would not mm. have a necessity to even have a conversation about them. Mm. But the reason that we are having a conversation about them is because we have not embraced, embraced the, the, the last mm. question that you asked. Sure, yeah. sure. So if we go back to the other first place where we started, if we mm. can bring evolve into this place where we celebrate people on the basis of being fellow bearers of God's image, we have taken care of the first two questions. Because you won't violate a black person, you won't violate a white person, you won't extend hatred to them when you have already embraced them as fellow bearers of mm. God's image. Now that's that's the real dilemma now. Because you're saying, Pastor, are you saying that all this time, even we as Christians, we, we are not applying that scripture? I want to say yes, unfortunately. Hmm. It's not that people don't know, it's not that Christians don't know that every created person bears God's image. They know that. Most people, most Christians I know actually are very uh they, they believe what the Bible says. They do believe it, but to behave in a way that violates any other, any human being, regardless of, uh, this is where some don't like me, regardless of what you're trying to get to, if you behave in a way that violates any human being, regardless of what you're pursuing, regardless of what the pursuit is, even if it's a pursuit of justice, even if it's a pursuit of, mm. you know what, you, I need you to acknowledge my importance. 
even no matter how beautiful the pursuit is, if you violate a human being on your way to getting to that place, you have just behaved as though you don't know that that human being bears God's image. So that's where I said mm. at the end of the service that for Christians, not all means justify the end. Some means will never justify the end. So speaking on that line, mm. let me read um, a quote from Dr. King mm. regarding how we should pursue for social change, right? Mm. It says that King preferred means of nonviolence to mm. push for social change. Mm. Protest, demonstrations, and peaceful assemblies are allowed mm. or should be allowed. Mm. And it's not easy to say we must not wage war. It is necessary to love peace mm. and to sacrifice for it. Mm. At the center of nonviolence stands the principle of love. Mm. When Dr. King defines the right as the language of the unheard, for me, I cannot overstate the importance in, in anything that you're trying to solve, whether it is racial injustice, whether it is corruption, whether it is mm. whatever it is. I cannot overstate the importance and the benefit of allowing yourself to hear people. If mm. people know that they are heard, they won't need to resort to that language. Oh, wow. We go to that language because... Even in a conversation like this, mm. I use this expression many times when I'm, I'm doing couple therapy, that people, the times when it is normal or okay or healthy to raise uh, a voice is typically, I give the example, of, imagine that we are in the, in the soccer field you are at the other end of the field and I'm at the other goalpost. Yeah. And maybe you want to tell me something. It's understandable that you're going to shout. Yeah, yeah, to shout. Exactly, to shout so that I can hear you. Mm. But when you find two people that are this close, mm. but one figures that they need to shout, what they are also saying in that moment, that at some level... Mm you are very far away from them. Mm. You are so far away from them, so they need to riot. Wow. They need to raise their voice because something about your communication is telling them that you're not hearing them. Mm. So I do, I, I do get it that some mm. people, because of how much they feel like you're not hearing, they resort to that language. Even even there's a, I read an article was talking mm. about how riot is mm. a new way for black revolts. Mm. And and this is an aggressive approach for social change mm. and is replacing the old way, which is pretty much nonviolent resistance, right? Yeah. And then here we talk about constructive change and destructive change. Mm. Like what we're saying, there are people who are having peaceful protest. Yeah. But there are some who are also aggressively vandalizing mm. the properties, even at times the lives of other people as mm. well. Yeah. You know? So how can we go about this social change that we want to see in our world? From my opinion, I look at it as it has to be constructive. Mm. It cannot be destructive. For me, I don't believe in, 
in, in, in the means of violence to achieve change. Yeah. We have to look at, we have to look for better ways of achieving change. This human heart is equipped with any level of violence that sometimes we cannot even put in words. So maybe a caution here, uh, a word in terms of what do we do to move forward in a healthy way, in a biblically sound way, in a God-honoring way. First of all is to acknowledge that if we just allow ourselves to, to go, to go in revenge, to go based on how we are feeling in the moment. Actually, anger. Yeah. We, would, we could even kill. Mm. We could even kill. And we, at, that, at, what, at, at that point, not only are we saying we are playing God, we are taking uh, matters in our own hands, as the mm. expression uh, says, but we are also, we are doing the same exact thing that we are trying to condemn. Wow. And, that, and before you know it, now wow. that is how we have a, a cycle of violence and, and, and evil against different groups of people, and it never continues. Hmm. That's where, what says, what, uh, one wow. you quoted, Gandhi says, uh, no, it was Mother Teresa, thought, yeah. eye for an eye leaves yeah. the world blind. Wow. Yeah, we don't want a blind uh, world. It is not to say, so I think this is where the church has been also attacked. This, we are not saying that you avail yourself to your oppressor as a mm, doormat for your yeah, oppressor yeah. to continue. No. Mm. Otherwise, the that's entire that's... book of Amos would not have been written. Mm. It's attacking social injustice. Mm. There's also a big warning, woe unto those who issue oppressive decrees. Mm. The Bible would not be saying those kind of words if, we, 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 if the invitation here is for us to avail ourselves to our oppressors so that they can continue. No, absolutely not. And, and the, the God of the Bible is strongly against and oppose injustice and oppression yeah. of people. Mm -hmm. Last but not the least question yeah. is, how do you make sense of diversity and unity? And how do we relate interdependently between races and among races? Mm. How do I make sense of diversity and unity? First of all, I would say my response would be, I start by, by admiring this God. Mm. I think God is the finest artist the race wow. in this world so i start at that level so at that level i start at the level of appreciation and just being amazed with how different we are with how beautifully designed differently that we are and for me at that level i start by celebrating and acknowledging that wow, wow. we are really truly different in appearance in many ways in, yes, in language yes, in, yes. yeah and I started celebrating God at that level wow. that, you know what, uh, diversity is a reality. We are diverse in so many ways, culture, mm. language, yes, uh, yes. appearance, just physical appearance, skin mm. color. We wow. are very diverse. So, and for me, that is okay. It is okay. It's something we should celebrate. It's something we should embrace. Yeah. Unity would only be possible Mm. So if we revisit the other part, if it would only be possible if we are not using the diversity, so the race, the color, the language, the gender, the, the, the physical appearance, we are not using that to measure how valuable or mm. less valuable the, 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 that person is. Wow. If we don't do that, 
yeah. we are going to enjoy unity in diversity. Mm. Sounds a very beautiful concept, unity in diversity, mm. but it's impossible to apply if you're still holding on to your socially ascribed uh, value to, to people based on their color, wow. their race, their gender, their, yeah, their religion. You hmm. won't be able to do unity in diversity. So what is the uniting force that can bring all of us together? What yeah. is, do you have any, maybe yeah. an opinion regarding that uniting force that mm. you think that will bring the old world together or maybe the white and the black together? Yeah, yeah. And I know it's, it's been on paper when you look at all these uh, global arrangements mm. for peace and reconciliation. Uh, so somehow my heart goes back to uh, the story that I shared with you about the genocide in Rwanda. One of the thing, the thing that ultimately stood out as a significant step towards the reconciliation uh, process or pro project, as they called it, was you'll be amazed. Was this seemingly very light moment where they brought at the local villages, they brought people. Mm and the entire purpose of coming to these meetings was that people who had either lost somebody or people who were still uh, grieving mm. were going to stand, they will speak, and the rest of the people who were attending, they had one job, listen. Wow. That, mm. so, so what the world now knows, oh, Rwanda, things are so much better in Rwanda, the, the reconciliation process. Mm. the most significant step towards that, which has become now an example mm. of how to bring about reconciliation after, after a very difficult incident. It starts at the point of you open your ear as the other person opens their mouth. At that, at the, there's, there's a word for it in, in, in the local language of Rwanda, but it comes to this minute, this meeting, this simple meeting, where individuals come with one purpose. If there's somebody who's going to speak, the rest of the people are just going to be listening. And they did that in every village. So they went around and it was unbelievable how many wow. people had so much pain they wanted to release. Yeah, to release, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it was facilitated by, as much as possible, by a neutral person. It was so hard to find a neutral yes. person wow. in the village but it was facilitated by that. So to mm. answer your question, if people are expressing what's the uniting factor, uh, and this example has been borrowed by the, the UN when, when they try to do a peace and reconciliation projects across the globe, that example of facilitate times, facilitate moments where people can be heard, where people can be listen to. Mm. So if I even am to think of this, can you imagine the impact that it would have mm. if as the government or as the globe, whoever is in charge of that project, facilitates moments or places where, let's take America for example. Mm. Imagine if uh, our president uh, mm. of uh, America took it upon himself and says, you know what, in every wow. community, I am going to start by ensuring that I'm capturing what people are sitting on. 
Mm. I'm going to avail an opportunity, a channel, an avenue where I'm going to capture what people mm. are saying. People won't have a need mm. to go to those levels of expressing those. For me, uh, that's that's one example. Mm. But another core example. Oh, sorry, Pastor. Yeah. Because this 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 the power of listening yeah. is profound. Um, and I was just thinking in my head that if we have the world leave us to come together yeah. and have and just listen to the unheard voices mm -hmm. countries where injustice and racism happen yeah for example in the u.s donald trump just you know what let me call these people or let me call their representatives not just their representatives yeah. in high positions yeah call the local people People have actually experienced racism yes. deep. Call yeah. them yeah. And, and don't speak. Don't even offer a solution. Just hear what they have to say. Even here in Canada mm -hmm. too, yeah. Justin Trudeau or, or, or what's his name? Doug Ford, yeah. John Tory. Just having that conversation and hearing out the unheard express themselves. You know what's happening does great with things. the indigenous communities? Exactly that. Wow. So it's called circles. So mm. the government, uh, at least in Canada, I will give them a little bit, uh, some credit there. Yes, a lot more action needs to happen beyond yeah. the words and the nice city. But yeah, there are some steps that have been taken. And yeah, you give a brilliant example. The, the, when, you, when you break it down, it comes to listening. They come and they, they are, the stories are documented by the chiefs. Uh, so the indigenous people are arranged in uh they're not not chiefs not mm. chiefs uh band leaders band leaders so they are uh they are they have a structure of governance so there's a a band everybody belongs to a band it's like a tribe or a clan you do have clans in africa so they do have bands so band leaders they do that they facilitate those meetings and mm. they are so much has come from it for us now in the child welfare, child welfare system one of the things that has come out is actually there's a, a children's aid society for the indigenous communities. Mm. And it, uh, there's so much benefit that is coming from it that which we are noticing mm. because they, they are feeling listened to. They are feeling understood. They are, mm. so the last question is... Um, Let me read this quote from Dr. Kane. Yeah. It says, Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. Wow. Yeah. Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. I came to that point in my life where mm. I was so low to that the point where I was hating, hating yeah. individuals that I see who are not like me. Mm. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Yes. As much as black life matters yeah. in the context of non-black people, mm. all black life matters, all black life should also matter in the context of among us as black people. Mm. And also, yes, because the reason why I, I before we get to Dr. King's um, conclusion regarding hate and love is mm. because our life matters in the context of people who are not us. 
Yeah. But our lives should also matter in the context of our race. Yes. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I, as a black person, I have no right to take your life. I have no right to say, you know what? This black guy who is just like me, his life does not matter. Yes, brother. We, 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 we cannot even overstate. We cannot overemphasize the reality that in every single one of us, in every single one of this human heart that we do have, we are fully equipped with everything that it takes to kill, to devalue, to oppress, to violate, all that is within us. And those are perfect, exam perfect examples you're giving. Because if, if, if I'm authentic about black lives matter, if I'm authentic about that, it is also going to be seen in how I handle myself when I'm interacting with other black lives. I'm going to be consistent. This demand that I am making in the context of outside of my black family is also this demand that I'm making there should be a demand that is consistent with yes. what you are seeing in my black family. But for me, again, all those are examples of the reality that evil does not run across races, mm. does not run across. So the line that divides good and evil doesn't run across families and, and families, uh, groups and groups, a race mm. and a race, a nation and a nation. It runs across every human heart. So whether I'm relating with a brother, if I don't yield to the part of me that is good, I am going to extend evil. I'm going to serve evil to, to my family. I'm going to serve evil to my brothers. So for us to also take the minute there to acknowledge that if we are to be authentic, we, we are to also pay attention to how we conduct ourselves among ourselves, among our brothers who look like us, before we also make the voice to the brothers who don't look like us. My own take on this discussion is that as much as, yes, we will continue to fight against injustice, police brutality against our race, but I don't want us just to end it here. I want us to continue this fight within our own community against black killing black. What's your last message or last piece of the, uh, advice that you would like to share? Yeah. Or something that you want to advise people right now who are deciding um, what should I do? Should I protest? Or how do I go about protesting? Mm. Um, how do I go about viewing this whole situation? Or, or what, what is the solution? Like you talked about uh, uh, listening silence and all that stuff yeah for my dear fellow believers uh christians there <clears throat> my fellow the people who look like me or on our skin color uh people who don't look like me people who are watching us and, and they are keen to answer the question that my brother here has just asked the question of what we do i want you and i to allow this to be a reality that we remember always as we consider should we participate should we not participate should how far should we participate as long as first of all i will address my so if you're there and you believe in this bible as authority because i've been asked this question as a pastor and i take i don't take that lightly 
I want you to know that, yes, you've heard that the end justifies the means, but I want to say to you that not all means for a Christian will justify the end. I am aware that some of the ends that we are working towards right now as a race are very, very pure. They are very necessary. They are very good. They are good ends. But I want to say that not all means are going to be okay as we strive towards those ends. As we strive towards justice, as we strive towards fairness, as we strive towards equality, there are some things that are just not going to be okay for a Christian to engage in. For killing, hatred, those are not okay means of us getting to that place that we have called justice or equality or freedom. And all those are good things. But in that same balance, I also do encourage you, uh, when God has given you the opportunity, do use it to speak. Speak love in the life of the, the other person you're choosing to, to address. Speak, speak grace. Grace, as we have seen today's sermon, is the unmerited favor. Speak forgiveness. Speak mercy. Speak kindness. The Bible says in Micah 6, 8, that I've told you, oh man, what to do, but what does God requires of you? To love mercy, to mm. walk humbly with your God and to do justly. To do mm, justly. justly yeah. Yeah. So if you are going to respond, for me, I'm not even asking, I'm not saying to you, protest or don't protest. I'm leaving that to you. But what I'm saying, whatever you choose, walk humbly with your God. Whatever you choose, do justly. Whatever you choose, love mercy. Mm. And may the good God who is inviting us to these things also give us the enablement. And now to all of us as the world, across all divides, race, religion, male, female, nation, language, I say to you, that for every single one of us, regardless of whether you actually believe the Bible, now this is when I speak to everybody, regardless of whether somebody believes the Bible or not, for me, my belief and my understanding is that every single person that you will ever come across has value that yes. was not assigned or should not be assigned by society, has value that cannot even be assigned by society, has yeah. value that was assigned to that person by the one who created that person, and that is God himself. That value is innate, that value is intrinsic, that value makes us the same in terms of worth, in terms of dignity, in terms of importance, it makes us the same. And if you and I can bring ourselves to a place of respecting that and celebrating that, we will be setting ourselves up for a a possible easy conversation when it comes to even areas where we disagree. May God bless you.